4: What's good? This is Justin Jefferson with the Minnesota Vikings, and this is the NFL Report.
5: Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the NFL Report. I'm Steve Weitz with my guy James Palmer. And Justin Jefferson's going to be catching passes from another quarterback this week as rookie Jaron Hall is going to be starting for the Vikings, uh, JP. But look, we have a huge show. We've got Gabe Davis, the wide receiver for the red-hot Buffalo Bills. This is going to be awesome. We've got our own Brian Baldinger. We're going to talk a lot about the Chiefs' offensive woes, but of course, Baldy's got plenty in store. Jane Slater, talking about the Cowboys' big game with the Lions, and Leslie Frazier. Boy, does he have
6: some insight on how to finish out a season as a head coach, JP. I love it. I love it. And as a couple of teams are trying to finish out this season, Steve, with a Super Bowl victory, they were the two number one seeds, the 49ers in the NFC and the Ravens in the AFC. I said going into that game last week that Lamar Jackson was the X factor. Lamar Jackson was going to be the best player on the field. Well, Roquan Smith, after Lamar Jackson and the Ravens just dismantled the 49ers, made sure everybody knew who in his mind, who the MVP of the NFL is right now.
7: Oh yeah, and our quarterback, I think if anybody watched the game, if anybody watched football this season and watched the Baltimore Ravens, they know for a fact Lamar Jackson is the uh, MVP hands down. Anyone that watches football and know football and to see the type of impact he has on the game, not even like stat-wise, but just individually, like the plays that he make, quarter in and quarter out, play in and play out, compare his film to anyone else in the league, and then I would love to uh, hear what anyone else has to say after that.
6: Strong statement, and I love it, Steve. What did you get out of that game right there (laughs) of them just absolutely going and owning the 49ers? Now face Miami in Week 17. They win this game. They get the number one seed. They get the bye. They get the home field. What do we see heading into this game against a Dolphins team that went out and made a statement of their own against the Cowboys, but where do things stand in your eyes with the Baltimore Ravens? JP, I mean, I know Lamar is that dude, right? He is, he is the MVP of
5: the NFL right now, but this is a game with the Ravens defense. That's what won the game for them against mm. the 49ers, right? They won up front. They won the second level. Some linebackers you talked about. I mean, Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith were amazing in that game. And then their secondary. Right, that is going to be so hugely important against the Dolphins because we know they like to throw the ball, try to hit the explosive play. But safety, Kyle Hamilton, and this is what I'm watching. He did not practice Wednesday. He is very iffy with a knee. Now that we've seen the Ravens do some things when they had to, you know, replace safeties and DBs and the way they can switch things up. But if Hamilton is not on that field, that is gonna open some things up for the Dolphins in this passing game. Because you know, Hamilton, we saw him there with some pressures on that video. He can come down in the run, help out in some of that explosive run game the Dolphins have. He can play deep, and man, does he have range on the underneath stuff. So to me, James, that is a huge, huge peg for the Ravens going into this game, even though the Dolphins might not have Jalen Waddle, a wide receiver, because he's nicked up too with that ankle.
6: Yeah, I love that we started this off talking about Lamar, but we both want to talk about this defense. Yeah. Because right now they are on pace, and they are leading the NFL in takeaways, sacks, and they're the number one scoring defense. No defense has ever led in the Super Bowl era all three of those categories when the season came to a close Two more weeks to go, and they are leading in all of those. I just love the physical nature in which they play, Steve. We know how physical the 49ers are. We know they've been beating teams up for several weeks. But the what in my eyes, the Ravens went out and just showed the Niners that yes, we will tackle you for four quarters. We will play as physical as you want to play, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. Their front seven has been absolutely phenomenal that has allowed players like Kyle Hamilton to go out there and make plays yep. in the secondary both their units have been able to play really freely because of the way that front has played and with Lamar I will say this he plays his best against the best competition this season I think that's why he's in the MVP discussion as the front runner right now because if you go look at the biggest stages they've been on this year That's when Lamar has played his best. Now, what I'm interested to see is go against this Dolphins defense, where we've talked about Vic Fangio. We will a little bit more in this show. And the way this Dolphins defense has played, Steve, since the return of Jalen Ramsey in Week 8, when he started being a part of this defense, they are almost number one or top five in every category. He's transformed this group. It's going to be fun to see these two go at it, considering what both teams were coming off of and how similar kind of that Dolphins offense is to that 49ers offense with where Mike Daniel comes from.
5: Yeah, there's some things there, but they're a little bit differently, too. And, man, one thing watching that Niners game, Lamar on the move isn't necessarily looking to take off, but he's creating this conflict with those defensive players so he can throw the ball over their heads. You know who is not dealing offensively, JP? Those Kansas City Chiefs, man. Those Kansas City Chiefs, they are not – they just don't look right. Okay, and so when you see, Mm -hmm. we've been talking about this all season, which is the bigger issue. We've been talking about it all season. But, J.P., when you look at at what they've got going on, especially heading into this weekend against a Bengals team that has given them fits, mind you, with Joe Burrow most of the time. um, What are you kind of expecting to do? Because it doesn't seem like they're going to come out of this funk.
6: What I'd like to do is give the man some flowers that everybody said, what does he do in Kansas City, Andy Reid calls the plays. What does offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy actually yeah. do with the Chiefs? I'll tell you what Eric Bieniemy does. He is the guy who held everybody accountable each and every moment they were in that building. He is the guy that coaches with a fire that actually was rubbing some players the wrong way when he arrived in Washington earlier this season. He is also the guy that I know for a fact Patrick Mahomes at times has. Genuinely missed, Steve, because of how Eric Bieniemy's attention to detail has pushed this offense. Remember, last season, and this is almost the exact same group, different tackles, but almost the exact same group, they were dead last in committed penalties a season ago. Fewest penalties in the NFL. Now they're amongst the league yep. leaders as an offense, in committing penalties. It's that attention to detail that Eric Bieniemy brought that I think at this point of the season, we finally have to admit. No slight to Matt Nagy or anybody else on that staff. It's what Bieniemy brought specifically himself that I think is now showing its head that they're lacking it in some capacity and it's affecting this offensive unit in some shape or form.
5: Yeah, and, and let's not forget. I mean, this is such a great conversation right here, JP. The enemy is so dedicated to the run game. We know Andy Reid necessarily isn't. Mm-hmm. But he might have been needling Andy. He's saying, run the ball here. And that might be something that they great are, point. To, to me, they're missing that. They're not going enough through Pacheco, you know, when he's healthy out there because they've got to give their offensive linemen some help and run the ball sometimes. Great point. To keep them from trying to get in pass sets and committing some of these dumb penalties. You know, and watching the Chiefs last week, though, and this is what struck me. They remind me of the Golden State Warriors in terms of they won so consistently and just looking at one another, okay, you got this, okay, I got this, I got this game, where it's almost like it's almost stale. Like against the Raiders, they almost look spent. They almost look tired overall as a club, not physically because they competed, but they just look like, man, these little details, why aren't we working these out by then? I'm going to flip my wig, right? They're losing their minds when things Mm -hmm. don't go right or they can't step out of their own way. And and that's, you know, when you see teams that win consistently, like I said, the Warriors did it so easily for years. Now, the Warriors were able to keep their superstars intact, something that the Chiefs have not been able to do, and that's showing itself too. But they have got to find some way, JP, coming down the stretch. And again, this game against the Bengals Sunday is not going to be easy to figure something out, whether it's run the ball more, do something to alleviate some of their potential flaws but they've got to wake up out of their slumber. You know, I don't know, maybe Taylor Swift comes in and sings a big song. I don't know. They've got to figure something out to get it going. You did it. You went there, Steve. I I, I did. And, and, but these guys Ooh. on the field, this has nothing to do with Taylor Swift. These guys on the field have got to step up and start playing football like they know they're capable of doing.
6: Yeah, we're going to have Brian Baldinger break this down a little bit further. I'm going to be at that game on Sunday against Cincinnati. Baldy will be there too a little bit later in the show. He's going to break down what he sees as some of the issues with this Kansas City Chiefs offense and sticking in the AFC West. Patrick oh Holmes isn't going anywhere, but Russell Wilson has been benched for the final two games of the season by head coach Sean Payton and this right here is Payton's explanation. Roll it, Elsie.
7: We're desperately trying to win and um sure in our in our game today there are economics and all those other things but the number one push behind this and and it's a decision I'm making is to you know get a spark offensively um obviously it's difficult and
6: um you know
7: all of us feel like man we didn't do well enough
6: steve that last part right there man we all didn't do well enough i know this because talking to people in the building and talking to multiple sources Sean Payton was energized about trying to work with a quarterback that is very different than the previous one he had in Drew Brees. He was excited for the challenge because you can say it's a challenge working with any new player and working side by side like a quarterback and a play caller and a head coach like Sean Payton is and how you want to make things successful for everyone involved. Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, two extremely competitive guys. They both have worked their butts off trying to make this work. And now, in Sean Payton's eyes, talking to people in the building, Steve, it's just the offense is below average. There's communication issues, which at this point in the season are driving Sean Payton nuts. The other issue that I'm told that is really just irking him more than anything, they feel like at times there is too much in this playbook, too much in this offense, too much in this game plan each week for those operating it to handle. And you know somebody like Sean Payton, that's going to bother if you can't handle all of that. And so those were the main issues. Looking for a spark, we'll see if Jarrett Stidham's that guy. This might be more. Can Jarrett Stidham be our guy next year? Because we're gonna need to find Steve a serviceable quarterback for 2024 yep. at, uh, I don't know if I should say, like discount bargain prices, you know what I mean? Yes. Like one of those type of stores because that might need need to be the guy who plays quarterback for the Broncos because of the financial situation they'll be in.
5: Yeah, Russell Wilson's not going to be there. I mean, he's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go back to the economic part of it first because this is if the Broncos cut him with that post-June 1 designation. The number is, is insane. It's, it's right around $35 million I want to say, accounting on the 2024 cap, getting closer to 50 million, Mm -hmm. right around 49 million in year two. This is devastating to your salary cap. But as bad as that sounds, I want to let people know. Remember, Atlanta did this in 2022 when they had Matt Ryan after they traded him to the Colts Mm -hmm. at about 41 million in dead money on their cap, and Julio Jones at about 15 million in dead money on their cap. But then again, in 2022, the Atlanta Falcons weren't very good because they had cap issues, and that is what Sean Payton and the Broncos could be doing. And this means that ownership is basically saying, let's cut our losses, and we are giving you the carte blanche to rebuild and do something with this, because this mess one is of the going to points. take our time. And, JP, I want, you to, I want you to come back on this, but this also leads me to believe that Sean Payton is probably going to make a move in the front office or, or someone's going to make a move on the front office Because where did Sean Payton come from? The Saints. What are they best known for over the past couple years? Finding ways to clean up their salary cap. Kai Harley (laughs) is the ultimate salary cap math magician. I would not be surprised if
6: Sean Payton gives Kai a call to see if he can lure him up to Denver to figure some things out. And the other note I'll make, Steve, is what happens to Russell Wilson next? I I think this issue here was as much a fit problem as anything. It's just two different kind of offensive philosophies and styles that just didn't mesh. I do think there is a potential landing spot for Russell Wilson in 2024. There are going to be teams that need somebody. And I do go back to what I've always been told about Russell Wilson. And this has been him for almost his entire career. He does have that trait where he finds a way to win. He is a winner in a sense. You can't deny that. And you've seen that late in games with what he's been able to do. I just think the fit between these two wasn't working. It's just the idea if his style of play at 35 and beyond is something that other teams value because it is a little bit different than some of these other guys that have yep. played after the age of 35. Great point. Russell Wilson plays a position very differently. Now we'll talk to a guy who catches passes from quarterbacks, Gabe Davis of the Buffalo Bills, fresh off of 130-yard performance last week. Now he just has to do it against Bill Belichick and company. The wide receiver joins the NFL Report next.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring,
5: Takes the snap, pocket collapsing, has to roll out to his right to buy time, looking downfield, he's got Dave Davis over the shoulder, caught at the 15, and he drives his way into the end zone for the touchdown, wow, Josh Allen buys time, rolls out and drops it over Davis's shoulder, and he drags a defender the last 8 yards for the score. All right, welcome back to the NFL Report. James, we are now joined by that man Let's who made go. that spectacular catch in Week 16 in a victory over the Chargers, Gabe Davis. Thanks for joining the NFL Report. And quick question, just to kind of get things going here. We know we're in the holiday spirit. What did Josh Allen get the wide receivers for Christmas, man? Oh. uh,
8: I know what he got me for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and, and <laughs> I know he got me for Christmas. Uh, he got me that uh, that tag watch, that golf tag watch. Um, ah, oh yeah, huge, huge, huge watch that you can use like to report your shots and everything. That was pretty dope. Uh, I know he got the old line, a bunch of Rolexes, um, which was sick. Um, and I know, and then Steph got you know he's a fashion guy, so he got a bunch of guys like some yeah. clothes or some bags or something. I know he did that for the whole room. Love it, love it. I'm like I'm,
6: I was concerned maybe with all these watches, Gabe. Like Josh is trying to tell you all something that you got better get on time. People are late to practice, or <laughs> yeah, get you yeah, guys to watch. Exactly. Make sure you show up on time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's go yeah. through. You get you get that touchdown. You have 130 yards against the Chargers, and, and obviously, I'm not saying anything you don't know. You don't have anything the two games before. What did that game do for you, especially this late in the season, specifically for what you've gone through the last couple of weeks before you just exploded? Because we all know it's there.
8: Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's tough to, you know, sometimes, you know, you go, I, I, I went a couple of weeks without even, you know, really touching the rock. And that's a hard, um, mm-hmm. that's a hard thing to do. Um, but at the end of the day, you got you gotta be to the, be the best teammate you can for your team. And that's what I try to do for my guys. And when my number is called to be able to go out there and perform at a high level, which I have, you know, all the confidence in doing it, and I feel like I've showed that with my years in the NFL. Yeah. Um, people can, you know, when it's getting thrown in the game, you can trust them to make the play. Uh, you know, you ask some people, you know, some people think I can't, you know, but I feel like most think I can <laughs> And uh, you can. And I appreciate, yeah, yeah. And I appreciate, you know, the people who understand how this game works. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I can't, I can't throw the ball to myself. Um, but again, we're, we're we're being successful at a pretty high level, um, and I'm just happy for all the guys that are, are doing the same thing.
5: Yeah, I mean, and Gabe, I, I think it says a lot about you, you know, to stay locked in and have a game like that after what you went through before. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I saw a quote that Joe Brady, your new OC, said after the Jets game where you didn't have a catch. He said you were the offensive player of the game for what you did in the run blocking, for what you did to set up your teammates to get open for this offense to function so well. In using yourself maybe as an example, what about the selflessness that that people are putting the, themselves through for you guys to go on this
8: run that you're having right now? I mean that that that's that's what you need to uh, to win games, and I feel like you know my grandpa taught me at a young age that you know you're gonna you, you're, you're gonna have to block, and uh, uh, that's that's what I I'm just as happy you know scoring touchdowns as I am springing somebody for a big run or getting someone else open on a catch. Uh, it feels good to me. I want all my guys to eat and I want all my guys you to know, play the level that they can play at. So but being able to you know not to be as a receiver to be known that I can I can block and, and set up things for other guys you know is definitely special.
6: Yeah, and that's why you don't really leave the field, Gabe. <laughs> they don't want you to leave the field, whether the ball's coming your way or not, man. You're out there because of everything you do for this offense. And you mentioned springing guys for a you know for a big run and things like that. You look at all these pieces you guys have now, and way James Cook has been used in the passing game, and the emergence of your rookie tight end and Dalton Kincaid. Then Dawson Knox comes back, and Steph and you. What is it like in practice with all of these mouths to feed now that Joe Brady has to go about trying to get some touches for these people? How can you set things up off? offensively now that you have so many different ways you can align yourselves offensively, formational-wise, and so many different talented guys that can do a variety of things?
8: Uh, you know, it's a it's a good problem to have to be a two-dimensional offense. You can both run in, you can pass, and you have a bunch of guys who can make plays. Uh, again, it's a good problem to have. I don't feel like it's it's difficult for for Brady to figure out anything at this time, especially at this point <laughs> of the season. You know? <laughs> it doesn't matter how you do it, as long as you do it. And that, that's our mindset, and that's what we're going each and every week doing. So, so, Gabe, those of us in the media and folks outside of your building are
5: saying the Buffalo Bills are the team that nobody wants to face right now.
8: It's always a good thing at this point of the season. Do you guys feel that way? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've always been a, a team that no one, you know, like not saying they don't want to go against us. Like, you know, all of us, you know, we love the competition. But definitely is a, the Bills are somebody not to sleep on at all. You know, it's definitely a, a, a team that you know you're going to get us get our all, you know, high energy, high effort, and extremely detailed team that is going to play football to win.
6: Gabe, we know what you guys have in Week 18, playing Miami. Everybody probably who loves the NFL is looking forward to that game. But you have to play Bill Belichick's defense before you get there. What is set in the locker room this week to make sure you guys don't overlook a team like the Patriots by any stretch? You saw what they did Christmas Eve with Denver. How much is that talked about? To make sure you just block out that Miami game as much as you can this week.
8: I mean, I don't. I don't think it's hard to block out. The most important game is the next game. You know, the Pages are a division, a division team, a team that's beat us this this year, and very tough, very sound defense. You know, looking at it offensively, um, so definitely mm-hmm. something that we're not skipping on, and we're not looking over to you know to Miami. We're definitely worried about the pages because we know they're they're still a good team.
5: Gabe, you know, one thing we like to do here on the NFL Report is to ask players, you know, who, who they study, right? You know, what what other offensive players or things like that? So what other receivers, as you continue to evolve and grow in this game, do
8: you study that you think could enhance your game? Um, a big one I feel like is Devontae Adams. He's such a great uh, uh, at the line of scrimmage when it comes to releases. Um, it's like he's playing basketball out there. He's just so fluid and it, it looks effortless. Um, so definitely a guy that, you know, I watch when it comes to his feet, and the way he moves uh, his shoulders as well um, at the at the line of scrimmage that really gets him separation. All right. Love it. Love
6: it. Let, I, I, I want to finish this up with – we did this whole interview. We ultimately talked about Josh Allen in terms of the presence he gives. What has he been like this second half of the season? As his, it seems like, I don't know Gabe, like his play is maybe picked apart, maybe more than any other quarterback in football. The media just loves to talk about any pick that happens. It's the end of the world. Josh can't not throw picks, things like that. Like, what have you seen from your quarterback this second half of the year, you make a change in the way he's running this offense as a whole right now compared to the beginning of the
8: season? When it comes to Josh, I mean, you know, what you see is what you get. He's a great player. Uh, one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL, you know, to see him playing the way he is right now—that everyone sees—is like, like he's kind of turned it on. I feel like he's—he's he's always had it, you know what I mean. But things aren't perfect. Yeah, this game. Um, some games going to be better than others. Some years going to be better than others. But at the end of the day, you know, we're the team that everyone talks about for a reason. Um, seventeen has a lot of respect from everybody in the NFL and the people who watch. And I feel like if—if if anyone's questioning what seventeen can do, there's a. Uh, There's some lack of football knowledge. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 100% for that. Hey, if anyone's
5: questions, Josh Allen or the Buffalo Bills right now, they might have a lack of football knowledge. Hey, Gabe Davis, good luck this weekend, man. Good luck the rest of the way. We appreciate you taking some time to
8: join us here on the NFL. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, James.
6: I always love going inside the Bills practice facility to see these interviews, see what they're practicing on. But coming up, how about Lions-Cowboys? Massive matchup. Why does Mike McCarthy think this is a bigger challenge for his Cowboys than the Niners or the Eagles? Jane
0: Slater will tell us next on the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better.
5: You're listening to the NFL Report podcast, but you can watch me, Steve Weich, and my co-host, James Palmer, on the NFL Report at 7.15 Eastern Time on Mondays and Thursdays on the NFL app and free streaming platforms on the NFL channel on Roku, Tubi, Peacock, Pluto TV, and other free streaming apps.
7: Whenever you do something like what we just did, it's special. It don't matter, man. And it don't matter how many you win in a row. They're special. But I can tell you this when you're part of the organization, and it's been 30 years 30 since you yeah! championship, it's special, man. And these guys have been f-ing dying for it and waiting for it, man. It's for you, baby. This first one's for you. <laughs> 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 enjoy, baby. Yeah!
6: Welcome back to the NFL Report. James Palmer, Steve Weich with you. That's Dan Campbell, Jane Slater, as the Lions are now into the postseason looking for their first postseason win since January 5th, 1992. Who did they beat? Jimmy Johnson and the Cowboys in that postseason win (laughs) in 92. And that's who they face this Sunday. And I'm fascinated, Jane, because Mike McCarthy believes that this game is bigger for the Cowboys than their game against the Niners, than their game against the Eagles. Why?
3: It's a great question, James, because I think when you look at this division and some of the struggles that you've had with the Eagles and the 49ers in recent years, those seem obvious. But I went to Tony Pollard to ask that question, James, and I said, What is it that you're seeing on tape that makes them a bigger challenge? And Pollard, he kind of sighed and he said, It's all the coverages. And I said, Like? And he rattled him off, James and Steve. I mean, he said, it's the cover one, the cover two, the cover three, the cover four, man and shells. And he says, because of that, you've got to be really careful. You've got to be on your P's and Q's. And so that is the challenge, I think, that's standing out for them uh, when they look at this, this defense. And not only that, you saw the energy from Dan Campbell. In that locker room. I mean, he's got players wanting to run through walls for him. Their first divisional title in 30 years. I'm going to ask him on the sidelines pregame if he can uh, record a motivational speech for me because I just, (laughs) you're seeing the culture change. (laughs) And I, you know, you talk about, you know, history can repeat itself sometimes. Jimmy Johnson is going in the ring of honor finally this weekend. Everyone kept saying the curse was broken for the Cowboys. And then they lost their first two straight under Mike McCarthy these last couple of weeks. So this is going to be an interesting game on Saturday.
5: Jane, you know, it's interesting you follow that out. And by the way, it is time for Jimmy Johnson go to the Ring of Honor. I'm glad that's finally happened. We said he spoke to Tony Pollard and, and the coverages. What about getting the run game going with Tony Pollard? That is something that has been so sporadic in watching this team all season.
3: Listen, Steve, we've talked about this before. A lot of people said, move on, but it's a hill I'll continue to die on. It wouldn't have hurt to bring back Ezekiel Elliott on a one year deal for some of those situations at the goal line. Because Pollard, right, Pollard just doesn't have that upper body strength to be your third down guy in some of those areas. Now, everyone asked him about Hunter Lepke and that, you know, the uh, fumble at the goal line. And I appreciate that Tony Pollard owned that. He said, I should have gotten it in before. You know, he took essentially the wrong route. There was an easier route to get in there and he didn't. It sort of put them behind the chains as a result of that. So I appreciate that. But I, you know, looking at this roster, Mike McCarthy said heading into the season, each one of these guys do something different. Malik Davis, Rico Daddle, Tony Pollard, they all do something different and it's different from Ezekiel Elliott. And that's the absence that you've had this year.
6: Jane, I want to ask you about CeeDee Lamb and what Dak Prescott's saying about him of late. We know how dynamic he's been in the slot. Steve, we've talked about it on this show repeatedly about him doing damage in the middle of the field. They have a youngster, the Lions, playing that slot corner in Brian Branch. Now, he's played a lot of safety, played a lot of corner, but they're having him play a lot more slot corner now as opposed to splitting his time between those two spots, he's one of many rookies that Dan Campbell has been relying on on both sides of the ball that Jared Goff believes, Jane, just don't play like rookies. The ones on the offensive side, the one on the defense side, they don't make rookie mistakes. Well, you can't make any mistakes when you're lining up against CeeDee Lamb. What does Dak see right now that he has to do to make sure CD is a big part of this game on Saturday?
3: How about get them ten receptions or more, guys? They are four and one when they use when they get ten receptions or more. I think they've got they're averaging about ten extra points a game when they get that done too. It was curious, you know we we talked about this earlier in the week on various shows and some of our other platforms. He came out after that Dolphins game that first quarter had almost hundred yards. He was lighting it up on the field. Mm-hmm. They really didn't have an answer for him. Jalen Ramsey wasn't traveling with them. And then he said it was weird the second and third quarters. They moved away from him. He went absent. And when I was talking to CD about that, I talked to Dak Prescott. I said, Dak, it's easy to get emotional. Obviously, he made some of those comments. I don't think they were disrespectful. It's just all season long, he said, if you're going to get me involved, keep me involved. If you're going to draft me in the first round, Use me as a first round draft pick. If you get me the rock, I'm going to get it in the end zone. Those are all things that CeeDee Lamb has said throughout the year. And when they've gone to him, good things typically happen. So I asked Dak, I said, when you went back and looked at some of the tape, did you see some missed opportunities? And he said, maybe one or two, but it was Vic Fangio who, while they didn't have Jalen Ramsey traveling with them, he did roll over some coverage there. Double yep. time, double teaming up time, obviously getting some safeties on him. And so I said, are you concerned about that blueprint moving forward? I mean, Vic Fangio said other teams could learn from it a couple years back when he beat them with Detroit. Obviously, he did it uh, with the Dolphins. And Dak's basic answer was, I think that you're going to see more motion. In other words, he's going to motion CeeDee Lamb to the other side, see if they can readjust. And so there, I think we're going to see a little more pre-snap motion as it relates to CeeDee Lamb. But I do think, especially when you look at Aiden Hutchinson on the other side of the ball and some of that quarterback pressure, what you essentially also need up front is time for Dak, and he did not have that uh, against the Dolphins last week. He was under duress a lot.
5: Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, the, the news came out uh, earlier Thursday that Tyron Smith is practicing. It looks like he's going to be able to go. I mean, how important is it to get him back in the lineup for a game like this because the Lions, they're kind of come see, come saw when it comes with the coverage in their
3: defense. Uh, I think it's huge. And, you know, you could make the debate, is it important to have Tyron Smith now – Or do you save him with the fact that the Cowboys are already in the postseason, right? But I would argue after getting sacked four times, and look, Chuma Doga didn't necessarily do him a lot of favors. He hasn't started a lot of games. Maybe they make a couple of other moves. You know, they activated Matt Wiletsko this week. You do have Awesome Richards there. Another guy you could move, Tyler Smith, back. I think there's going to be some some movement with that line if Tyron can't go, but it sounds like Tyron was able to at least participate in some of the walkthroughs. Jerry Jones this week said they did an injection on that back that typically works, so they seemed really hopeful about him playing this weekend, and my argument is, of course you wanted to play, because you don't want to get your quarterback hurt before the postseason, and having Tyron Smith at 80% is better than most guys at 100
5: and, Jane, real quick, also, you know, and I, get, I guess, I, I, real quick, it, it also works for both teams here. They can face each other. I'm just
6: other. nervous that Jane said, get your quarterback hurt. I'm just terrified oh, that
5: you put it out there. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not going to lay on real, real, Real quick, Jane, these teams can meet each other in the playoffs, too. Has there been, <laughs> been any discussion about the scouting report? I mean, you know, the, the wins are with it. Both teams are in. But do you think, you know, either team or both teams are going to be showing their hand? Because, you know, I think the Lions are still trying to possibly get this home field.
3: I mean it is absolutely a good question although I would submit that you know Jalen Ramsey has talked about how boring some of these offenses have been and <laughs> the Cowboys have been boring the last two weeks so I don't know what they're hiding from us I keep waiting to see Micah Parsons in some sort of package that employs him as a running back because he's told us that they've been they've got extra plays remember they said they could see him in as many as 11 different spots this year we haven't seen that so maybe that's something uh, that they say for the postseason. But what they need to do more than anything, Steve, is get some consistency with this office. And don't put that on me, James. I'm just stating the facts yeah, here. Listen, You've yeah, got to be careful cool, when <laughs> you don't have him yeah, on not the okay Do at not all. put that on him, me. Jane. Don't put that on me. I will
6: burn me. the tape, Jane. <laughs> I'll burn the tape. Nobody will ever get a chance to see it twice. Appreciate it, Jane. Love seeing your face. Happy Thank New Year you for joining Jane. the show, as Thanks. always. One of our favorite <laughs> Thanks, people. Thanks, guys. Happy New Year. Well, another one of our favorite people coming up, and he'll be with me in Kansas City at Arrowhead. Well, that's Brian Baldinger. Baldy's favorite films are next, and he's going to tell us what is wrong with this Kansas City Chiefs offense. He has all the answers. Listen, Andy Reid, this segment's for you
0: on the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling
6: Welcome back to the NFL Report. James Palmer, Steve Weich with you. It's Baldy's Favorite Films. It is my favorite segment. And guess what? Baldy and I, Steve, are going to be in Kansas City together this weekend for Bengals at Chiefs. I'm not sure, Baldy, what you're doing when the ball drops. Maybe we can go somewhere after the game, uh, celebrate the new year. Not sure uh, what you got planned. You probably got something going on. I'm not sure. I'll probably be by myself. Yeah, you know
7: what? I didn't plan, James. I'm doing NFL Network
6: post-game. Yeah.
7: I'm doing oh, a post-game boy. show. Okay.
6: <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's a brain that we all desire on NFL Network, Baldy. That's why we that's use it. you every Thursday. And let's talk about this game right here and what we've seen from this Kansas City Chiefs offense. I, what I'd like to just throw out there: We have two weeks left. Is this who they are, Baldy? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't see it getting fixed. Uh, you know, they they they're
7: amongst the uh, the bottom feeders right now. Just explosive plays. They used to lead the league in that category plays are twenty yards of war. They can't get explosive plays. So what happens when you can't? You know, you, you're relying on gadgets. Uh, any kind of penalty, whether it's lining up off sides or a hold, uh, they just get magnified because it used to be if it was second and twenty, Patrick Mahomes would do his magic. They'd get an explosive play. Now just the basics. Right now, just the basics. Right here, Travis Kelsey dropping his pass. We all saw the other day. Uh, you know, it's and then the tackle position. You know, whether it's Jawan or, or the rookie. On the other side, I mean, they have struggled all year long, and so you know the Raiders just kicked their butt up front, and it was it was more than just Max Crosby. It was Malcolm Kozu. It was a bunch of different guys that physically won that line of scrimmage on that Christmas
5: Day game. So, so uh, you know, ball they're playing the Bengals. I mean, Luana Rumo has done some some things, yeah. you know, against, against this Chiefs offense. Yeah. I, I mean, this is not a, a get well game, so to speak, for the Chiefs. This is going to be a, a very tough game. And one of the things I've been noticing, besides the receivers just having issues, is DBs are just lining up and getting hands on them. I oh, mean, yeah. is there anything – I mean, the lack – I mean, I don't know if it's a lack of motion or whatever, but what can Mahomes do – or what can they do with this offense to maybe spring some of these guys to give them windows for Mahomes to drop the ball into?
7: Well, it looks awfully stale, first of all, yeah. Steve. It looks, it looks like we've seen just about everything. You I mean, the gadgets didn't work the other day. You know, they kind of fumbled out away. But, you know, just the, the idea that I, there was a play in the game last week which sort of personified the issues. They have this play, it usually it's with Kelsey, but it could be with anybody, just why stick? You know, you just sort of this little stick route, six yards, turn around. Um, it's a drive starter. And Mahomes threw it one way and Rishi Rice went another way. And Mahomes is just looking at him like, we do this every day. Like, this is what we do to start drives, you just sit down in the zone. And when I saw them – Yo, know, throw that ball into the dirt and just miss that basic play. Like, literally, day one installation. I go, they, they've got some real problems. And I don't know if it's, you know, concentration in practice, if it's just lack of trust. I mean, it's hard to say without being there. But, you know, Andy Reid has always been a tinker. When things aren't working, that guy can tinker with the best of them. And I feel like he's trying to do that. But at the same time, like, they can't get – plays out on timing right now. No. So it's just all Mahomes trying to extend plays and try to find something beyond what it was drawn up to be.
6: Yeah, it's been remarkable. We've seen the frustration on the sideline from guys like Mahomes, guys like Travis Kelsey. I think you mentioned Andy yep. Reid there. Maybe the steadiness of Andy. We know he never gets too high or too low ever. is probably needed now more than they, may ha- they have ever in-, in some time. Let's move to where Andy used to coach, into Philadelphia. And Jonathan Gannon is heading back there with his Cardinals. And we've seen this defense in Philadelphia, Baldy have Sean Desai. Now it's Matt Patricia. They got two guys trying to run this defense since Jonathan Gannon left. What can they fix as they come down the stretch into the postseason that can maybe turn the corner for them a little bit defensively? Well, I mean, you
7: know, last week they gave the 69-yard touchdown to Darius Slayton with under six minutes to go to get them back in the game. Like, I, I don't know how... They turned them loose, exactly. I mean, it's, it's kind of matchup zone, and, you know, the safety should be running with them, and Slayton gets right behind them. Just like, you know, the week before against Seattle, uh, while you're in man coverage in that situation on third and 10, they need a touchdown to win the game, and you let it go. Like, they've given up 31 touchdown passes. And so some of that is, okay, the rush isn't nearly as good as it was a year ago. We understand that. You can just look at the numbers mm-hmm. and say the rush isn't good enough. And then when they have blitzed, they haven't really been very good, at just being stout on the back end and kind of marrying good good coverage with it. So Matt Patricia's kind of left going, well, you could just see, like, there's no rush there, and there's, you know, Slayton right there getting behind no. uh, Blankenship. So, I mean, you see it week in and week out right now. Guys have too much time to throw. Guys are wide open, and it's been a problem.
5: Yeah, Baldy, you know, we didn't even talk about what's going on in the inside linebacker spot. I mean, when they play some of these teams that like to drop the ball off underneath or can pop a run right there, that has absolutely been an issue with just the depth concerns that they have right now. But I want to go to a team that plays good defense, even the way, even though they're struggling. That's the New England Patriots. And this week, the Buffalo Bills. You know, are, they they play the Bills yeah. in this office, and the way Buffalo is really combining the run game and the pass game. We had Gabe Davis on the show earlier. He talked about not having not having games with catches because he's bringing guys in the run game. When the, when the Bills are facing what the Patriots are doing defensively, I mean, this is not going to be a walkover for Buffalo as well no. as they're playing right Mm-mm.
7: now. No, because it's it's, it's just basic fundamentals. It's, it's low pad level at this time of the year. Guys start playing too high. They don't. Uh, it's about using your hands, engaging, shedding blocks, getting off blocks, protecting Juwan Bentley and the linebackers at that level. And so it starts with just the basics of defeating the run. You know, Denver couldn't run the ball against them last week, hardly at all. That's what they wanted to do. But, you know, it's hard to run it when it's third and seven. And so, yeah, they're really making teams one-dimensional right now with just the fundamentals of the game. It's across the board. It's Dietrich Wise. It's all the guys that have been there. Um, Barmore, like all these guys up front are playing great two-gap in defense. And the linebackers are kind of end safeties, are free to kind of go and roam and make these tackles and attack the line of scrimmage. And, you know, James Cook is having a phenomenal season. They're running the ball a lot better. But I don't see them just getting creases against this defense the way they have
5: in some of these other teams they've faced. Quickly, Baldy, you started this off with something I haven't heard people talk about enough, and I'm glad you brought it up. At this point of the season, it's the fundamentals, pad level and things like that. When you look across the league, is this something that you, you're seeing with the teams that aren't winning or the teams that are getting leaky versus that, and why is that? Is it just a fatigue of the season? It's. I think it's some fatigue. It's some, you know, it's week 17. And, you know, guys
7: aren't putting pads on during the week. And it's walkthroughs, glorified walkthroughs. And just, you know, they're just playing too high. They're blocking with their chest. Uh, You know, I would say that when I watch the Detroit Lions right now, they don't fall in that category. They come off the ball and they're lower than the opponents and they're moving bodies. Um, But generally, uh, you know, like if you watch the Indianapolis Colts last week try to run against Atlanta, like, they looked like they were just way too high against Atlanta. And they got their tackles back, defense tackles back. And what was a really good part of their offense last week was non-existent. And I, and I went back and watched it, and I just said, these guys, you know, Blake Freeland, whoever, um, they're playing too high right now. And it was too easy to get underneath the pads.
6: Baldy, well, yeah, I'm going to say, and just take a guess here real quick, that Mike McDonald's group are not one of those groups that are uh, playing with <laughs> their pads too high lately. Well, you know, that, that's one.
7: I mean, they just have guys that it's almost impossible. And when you look at, you know, Pierce and you look at Washington and some of these guys up front, they're fire hydrants. Like, you can't get underneath them. Um, but, you know, they they play a matchup zone. Teams will play parts of that, but they'll play a matchup zone. And this is really what got uh, Brock Purdy in that first interception last week. They want to play their safeties back. It's a zone concept, so everybody has their eyes on the quarterback. Everybody sees the ball delivered, um, and then they they blitz out of that that shell look of theirs with the two safeties high. And really, you have to keep running the ball against them. You have to make them pay for saying, okay, we're not giving you up the deep shots. We're going to match up with you as you expand into your route combinations, and hopefully they break down. Or you have to say, okay, you've got to throw the ball like Matt Stafford's throwing it right now. And like how they ran the mm-hmm. ball against uh, the, Col- uh, the Ravens a couple of weeks ago, where Kyron Williams really took advantage of those safeties, you know, 15 yards deep, and they ran the ball really good, and then they got some play-action passes behind it. And Stafford was deadly accurate. But if you don't play like that, you're playing right into their hands.
5: Baldy, this is such good stuff, man. Like, this is stuff <laughs> you just don't get. We appreciate you breaking down, I mean, some of these exquisite nuances. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I really, really appreciate you and JP. Yeah. Don't eat too much barbecue or do any other things that we're not going to mention on yeah, no. the show when you're in Kansas City. I'll go right to my face.
6: I, I, enjoying things <laughs> right there. I'll on TV.
5: Hey, but appreciate you, Baldy, and have a happy new year. Happy and coming New Year, up next. Coming up next, Leslie Frazier. He was on the 85 Championship Bears. He's coached in Super Bowls, and he's going to tell us, like we're seeing here with the Kansas City Chiefs, why it is so hard to repeat as champion.
0: Next oh, on the temporary. NFL Report. Real cold.
6: Hey, it's James Palmer, and you're listening to the NFL Report podcast along with myself and Steve Weish. But remember, if you want to see our beautiful faces, this is a show at 7.15 Monday and Thursday. That's 7.15 p.m. Eastern, and we are on the NFL app as well as fast streaming platforms. That's Tubi, that's Roku, that's Pluto, that's Peacock, all of those platforms as well as the NFL.com slash NFL channel. Find us all of those spots.
5: All right, back to the NFL Report. James, we are about to be joined by head coach Leslie Frazier, who was with me Wednesday for the reveal of the class of 2024-15 finalists Ooh. of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. As you're seeing, there's Antonio Gates, Devin Hester, Julius Peppers, Reggie Wayne, friend of the show, Andre Johnson. We've got Eric Allen, yeah. Jari Evans, Patrick Willis, Dwight Freeney, Fred Taylor, Willie Anderson, Jared Allen, who coach also coached Rodney Harrison, Torrey Holt. Just so many deserving people. Coach, you did a great job on the show. We really appreciate you joining us on our last show of 2023. But on that note, oh, I, l- let's, go, let's go back to yesteryear, right? You, you played on the world champion 85 Chicago Bears. You've coached a Super Bowl championship team. And now we're seeing the Kansas City Chiefs kind of roll into the cliche, it is difficult to repeat. Why is it so hard? To get back, let alone win if you do,
4: yeah, as you can imagine, there are so many factors involved, but one of those factors is you tend to lose good players. Uh, when you are a team that has that type of success, you know to, to, to go to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl, uh, you have a lot of guys that are really playing at a high level, and the teams that that, that, that are, are that are lesser, are looking at your roster, and because of salary cap constraints, it makes it difficult to keep players in place. A good example of this, James, you remember in 2016 when the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl, and they were really carried mm-hmm. by their defense. And they came yep. back the next season, Steve, there were only like five starters from that defense that was so dominant and doing that 2016 season when they won the Super Bowl. So. It's, it's one, so part of the problem is being able to retain your guys, and in the Chiefs' case, a good example of that is a player like a Juju Schuster, who was their top target at wide receiver. Uh, he had more receiving yards than anybody else, more uh, receptions than anyone else. He was the leader in that receiver room, and now you look at their receiver position, and that's a disaster. And it's really really tough uh, for your offense. So that's an example of. You know, being able trying trying to keep your your players, but because of salary cap constraints, it makes it difficult to do. And that's all a part of the parity of the National Football League, which is what the league wants. I mean, they want parity, and you, you you get that because of the cap. The other part of it is you have guys that are having career years Uh when you when you win a Super Bowl. That's usually the case. You have some guys that really perform at a high level. They want to get paid. I mean. Is my turn, you know, I wanna get paid now. And because of, uh, you know, the salary cap constraints, you know, a lot of times you can't pay those guys. And so the teams that usually have the most cap or the teams that aren't doing so well, they're able to poach some of your players that uh, re- really help you to, to get to that Super Bowl. And generally because of financial constraints, The turnover in the league today, man, every every offseason, you know, you're losing about 20, 25 players off your roster. So to try to come back and get that chemistry, uh, to get the team to work together uh like you did during that Super Bowl season, it's it's, it's a challenge. It's a major challenge. So uh it's it's a lot more difficult in today's NFL because of the salary cap and because of, of, of your inability to keep your players to come back and repeat again. Yeah, I, I
6: coach, I, I find that to be the biggest reason. I also find the reason of, and I've heard this with Kansas City, last year their driving force was everyone telling them they can't win a Super Bowl without Tyree Kill. It was almost that motivational carrot in front of them the entire season driving them behind the scenes. And I've been told this year they don't really have one of those. They don't really have something that's pushing them and pushing them this season. It's kind of been something they're curious of if they find here at the end. Let's talk about teams maybe that are not in contention or right on the edge. When you're looking at teams like, say, the Vikings, the the Jags, the Texans, teams also, well, they're, they're in, but Bengals are right on the edge. What do you do when you're one of those teams on the fringe or one of those teams maybe right on the outside to keep coaching and keeping your team motivated when you're on the outside
4: of the playoff picture, kind of just almost looking in? Well, that's motivation in itself. The fact that you are playing meaningful games in December, uh, that's the mantra with every team. You know, you're, you're hoping that when we get to December, man, we're playing meaningful games. But by, by that, what I mean is we're playing games that have playoff implications. And those teams are now they've got some hurdles that they've got to overcome, uh, you know, probably more so because of injury than anything. Uh, but that's a motivating factor uh, for your team that. We may not control our destiny. We're, we're kind of in the hunt, but if we can win out, who knows what might happen. So as a as a coach, I mean that's what you're preaching to the players to try to keep that carrot in front of them, uh, that we have a chance. But we got to come to work every single day and, and and we gotta bleed as a unit. Now you need great leadership in the locker room, because uh, it can't just be the coaches talking about this. It's gotta be your locker room has to be echoing the coach. So you need strong leadership, but that's, that's it. I mean, you're, you're, you I mean, that's your carrot. Yeah, coach. That's a great point.
5: Player accountability often accompanies yeah. success. That's a huge part of it. Coach, we promise when we bring you back in 2024, we're going to give you more bandwidth here. We got to wrap it up because we got to <laughs> get out of here, but thank you so much. Have a happy new year. And JP, as we wrap up our final show of 2023, we want to remind everybody, if you're watching We'll be Mondays and Thursdays, 7.15 Eastern Time, on the NFL app and on the Fast channels. But we will be back on Tuesday of next week because we want yeah. everyone to have a new year to recover and next Thursday. And then, JP, Well, I wish you a happy new year and that you and Baldy don't get down too tough in Kansas City.
6: <laughs> <laughs> we'll be fine. We'll tear Garcia apart, Steve.
0: See you on Tuesday, buddy. All right, everybody.